Welcome to the July 24th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 4, and the sermon is entitled, Remember the Work of the Lord, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. Question that I ask you every week, and that is this, did you come expecting something? Amen. We're here to continue to march through our series as we call it, The Courage of the Church, to look toward God and to look toward His leading on our everyday life. Last week, as we closed chapter 3, we left the priests who were carrying the Ark of the Covenant standing smack dab middle. That's Amherst talk right there, okay? Smack dab middle in the Jordan River as they were trying to cross it. And that's where we closed the chapter. And so today we open up a book of transition. And so today may be the last time that you hear that word transition for this study is because guess what after today the people make it to the promised land praise God praise God for that but it goes from a a people of transition to a people of conquering and so that's where I'm excited as I am ahead in the study We are conquering right now in chapter 8 and conquering in chapter 9. And there are wars to win. There are battles to rage. But guess what? Before Israel can get to those battles, they must deal with God themselves first. And so today, the title of this message is simply this. Remembering the work of the Lord. Remembering the work of the Lord. And as we look at this sermon, we're going to see a people that have moved from a place of wandering to a place of promised land, a place of death to a place of life, a a place uh, that is full of nothing to a place that is full and flowing with milk and honey. As chapter number 3 closes, we find those priests standing firm upon the promises of God as they hold the Ark of the Covenant. And as chapter number 4 opens, we're looking for that dry ground on the other side. Some 2 million people have crossed the Jordan River on dry ground as those priests stood. And here is the miracle of God. God has held back the Jordan River for some 20 miles in order for this to happen and in order for the people to cross And it's amazing as Joshua continues to lead the people, God continues to lead Joshua, and they are moving to exactly where God needs them to be. That's a whole nother sermon. That's a whole nother sermon if we would just follow God like we're supposed to. But tonight, or today, excuse me, in one very key area, God is leading Joshua to do simply this in chapter number 4. Remember what God has done. Real quick before I get into my sermon, I'm going to ask you this. When's the last time you talked to God? I'm I'm sure you can remember that, right? When's the last time you cracked open His holy word just to sit down and study it and glean from it God's truth? Not just to read a, a scripture before you go to bed. But when was the last time you sat down to God's word to read it and to study it? When's the last time God worked in your life? Do you remember? There's a lot of things that we remember, but here is also the truth. There's a lot of things that we have forgotten and that we tend to forget. 
And so today as we are called to remember and the, the people of God are called to remember what God has done in their life, God is calling you and I today to remember the work of God and not forget the work and the hand of God's blessing on your life. But He's also calling us to do this. Preserve it for the next generation. Preserve it for the next generation. Psalm 145. You don't have to turn there. You can listen to these words. Psalm 145, verse number 4 says this, One generation shall praise thy works to another and shall declare thy mighty acts. The call of, of passing God from one generation to a next. But here's the truth of you and I today as Christians. We're comfortable having 60 or 70 or 80 years and being done and, and going on to live with Jesus. But God calls us to do something greater. And that is to lead the footstones, a path for the generations that follow to reach Jesus as their Savior. And if I leave here not accomplishing that, I have failed my God. I have failed God. Psalm 145, just skimming down through it, it speaks of the glorious honor and the majesty and the works of God. It speaks of David declaring the greatness of God, the goodness of God, and the righteousness of God. In verse number 8, it's a good one to underline. It says this, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and of great mercy, and He is good to all. But the end of Psalm 145 says, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth throughout, listen to these words, all generations. All generations. One of the best pictures, my most favorite pictures in my entire life, I have two of them of my kids. One of them is my oldest son, Levi. He got the game-winning hit in baseball, and I'm the first base coach. And as he got that game-winning hit and he drove in the, in, in, in the run, the photographer caught us at the right moment. If you've seen me in this picture, you'll say, Jeffrey's crazy. Some of you already know that. But with outstretched arms, I am screaming to the top of my lungs, and here comes Levi running to jump in my arms. It's a moment to be celebrated. It's a moment to this day I remember, and it's captured in a picture. But with my other son, Ethan, on the desk in my office at my home, in this baptistry right here, is a dad standing with his son. And he's got a little mohawk spiked in the middle. At five years old, he gave his life to Jesus. But with the eyes, the eyes in the picture tell the story as he's just peering up, listening to what I'm saying. The trust of a father. It's in a picture. But I want to stand here today and tell you, church, it's not just my job to get those two to a Savior. It's my job to lead the world to a Savior. And it's our job as a church to lead the world as a Savior. Certainly we want to take care of the mission field of our home first. But we reach to the world with our Savior. With that said today, how do we remember the work of our Lord? Let's get to Joshua chapter number 4. 
Look at the first nine verses as we read them together today. And it came to pass, when all the people were clean passed over Jordan, that the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Take you twelve men out of the people, out of every tribe a man, and command ye them, saying, Take you hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you, and leave them in the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. Then Joshua called the twelve men whom he had prepared of the children of Israel out of every tribe a man. And Joshua said unto them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder. You want to you uh, note that right there. According unto the member of the tribes of the children of Israel that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean ye by these stones? Then ye shall answer them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. And when it passed over Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever." And the children of Israel did so as Joshua commanded and took up twelve stones out of the midst of the Jordan as the Lord spake unto Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them into the place where they lodged and laid them down there. And Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest which bear the ark of the covenant stood and they are there unto this day. As we think about God's word, point number one, you will get three of them today, is this, simply this. In order to remember the work of the Lord, we must shoulder the stones. Shoulder the stones. Back in Joshua chapter 3 last week, we kind of skipped over it a, a, a little briefly, but in verse number 12, we see that, that Joshua was preparing these 12 men that would shoulder the stones. And out of each tribe, there would be one man that was pulled aside, and his lone responsibility was this. As you cross the Jordan River, you grab a stone, put it on your shoulder, and you carry it as we are going to build a memorial of what God has done here. Look at verse number 3 with me real quick. And command ye them, saying, Take ye hence out of the midst of the Jordan, out of the place where the priest's feet stood firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them at the lodging place where ye shall lodge this night. And then you go to verse number five. I told you to mark it. It says, Joshua said to them, Pass over before the ark of the Lord your God in the midst of the Jordan. Take you up every man of you a stone upon his shoulder according to the number of tribes, the children of Israel. From the Jordan, they are crossing. They are to take these stones. They are to put them on them, their shoulder and to carry them as they march to the lodging place. The place they will set up camp. This place is called Gilgal, okay? That is where they're headed to lodge. And it's not just a, a stone's throw away, if you will. 
But what they're called to do, not just go into the river, pick up the rock that looks pretty, put it in your pocket, and give it back to me when we get there. That's not what they're asked to do. But what these 12 men are asked to do are to walk down in that river and they are to pick up the stones that are big enough that they must tote them on their shoulders. And these stones will make a memorial for what God is doing in the life of the people. Shoulder the stones is the cry as they enter the river and as they look towards the riverbank. Carrying them to Gilgal some eight miles away. So friends, I want you to see shouldering the stones is, is not something that's for the faint of heart. It's not something that, that I would want to do. I read this scripture and say, Lord, I'm thankful I wasn't one of the twelve. But how often do we do that in ministry? How often do we do that? We leave the hard stuff for somebody else. We leave the hard work for somebody else to take care of. But what we're called to, what they were called to do was to shoulder a stone, a responsibility to carry a stone. But what they were doing is they were going to set up a, a pile of stones that would memorialize the work of God. In verse number 9, there is a second set of stones. Look at verse number 9. Here's what Joshua himself does. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in the place where the feet of the priest were, well, which bear the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they uh, are there unto this day. So not only were the twelve men to carry stones, but Joshua, Joshua himself went down in the river, and he made this pile of twelve stones himself in the riverbed. These, this place were, was the place in which the priest stood in the middle of the Jordan on dry lands. And what would happen as the floodwaters would recede, the people would then see the stones. Remember, the river's at flood level. You remember that from last week, right? But as those floodwaters would recede, then the stones would, in the middle of the river would be visible. So I look at this. And I said, what is the importance, God, of, of shouldering stones? Look at verses 6 and 7. It says that this may be a sign among you that when your children ask their fathers in time to come, they're not going to ask today, but one day your children are going to start asking questions. We love that time, don't we? Look at verse number 6 again. What mean ye by the stones? What do these stones mean? And you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial unto the children of Israel forever. He said one day, one day, your children are going to start asking questions. And as they come across these stones in Gilgal, they're going to ask the questions, what are these stones doing here? How many of you have ever been walking through the woods before and you come upon a heap of stones? Am I the only person that done that? I've done that. I went, I went and the first thing I did is ask my grandparents, what are all them rocks for? And you know what they said? That's where such and such used to live. It was an old home place or an old rock wall. It was where somebody used to live. 
And so as we read these words, that's exactly what these stones are going to be. They're going to be a memorial for what God has done, the miracle and the work of God. Verse number 7, God says, as those questions come, you don't have to think about the answer. I'm going to tell you what to say. Here's what you tell your children. This is where God worked. This is where he performed the miracle. Here's where he cut the waters off. This is the place where God led his people into the promised land after 40 years of wandering. This is the place. Two sets of stones tell a story of the work and the will of God to the people of God. And so as I think about that before moving on, here's what I'm going to ask you, church, is this. What are you willing to shoulder today to impact and to tell the story to the next generation? Some of you are shouldering responsibilities of raising your family. Some of you are shouldering responsibilities within the church. Some of you are shouldering responsibility of praying every day. Do not neglect that. Continue to shoulder the stones of the work for the next generation. But I think about my kids, and and I don't say that my kids are saved. Now what? I say my kids are saved. Who's next? I look to the next generation of kids and grandkids, and I realize this. If I'm lucky, if I'm lucky and blessed enough by the hand of God, maybe, maybe He will allow me to affect three or four generations. Just three or four. If I'm lucky. If I'm lucky. But what I carry today matters. Matters. I know you put in long hours and you feel like you're overworked and you're burnt out. And I know it's hard. I know some of you parents spend sleepless nights about your kids' future and their salvation. You've told me that. Keep shouldering the stone. Carry that stone. As we remember the work of God, there's work for the next generation. Let's move on in the story. Look at verse number 10. For the priest which bare the ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord commanded Joshua to speak unto the people according to all that Moses commanded. Joshua and the people hasted and passed over. And it came to pass when all the people were clean passed over that the ark of the Lord passed over and the priests and the presence of the people and the children of Reuben uh, and the children of Gad and half the tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the children of Israel as Moses spake unto them. About 40,000 prepared for war, passed over before the Lord into battle, to the plains of Jericho. On that day the Lord magnified Joshua in the sight of all of Israel, and they feared him as they feared Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord spake unto Joshua, saying, Command the priests that bear the ark of the testimony that they come up out of the Jordan. And Joshua therefore commanded the priests, saying, Come ye up out of the Jordan. 
And it came to pass when the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord were come up out of the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up unto the dry land, that the waters of the Jordan returned into their place and flowed over all his banks as they did before. Verse number 19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the tenth day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. We look at point number two today. And point number two is this. You've got to stay the course. When remembering the work of the Lord, you must stay the course. I I look at this story and I say, what faith to carry a stone? Eight miles. I look at this story and I say, what faith the priest had to stand in the middle of the river amongst a wall of water as God worked in their life, as God allowed them to cross that river. But it was more than just crossing a river. The Israelites had to be prepared for what came next. And so we see, as the Scripture tells us, 40,000 men from the tribes of Reuben and Gad and half of Manasseh were armed for whatever they would encounter as they entered the promised land. You remember this promise from chapter number 1 of Joshua that these two and a half tribes would have land on the eastern side of the river. But in, in exchange for that in return, they would still send their men to fight to conquer the promised land. And so we think about God's work and God's will being carried out through the, the tribes of Israel and the people of God. And here's what happens. As God's power continues to work, as the plan continues to unfold and to be executed, we see the people of God exactly in God's will. What happens when when you're in, in God's will? Well, here's what happens. Not only is the nation blessed, but their leader is. And so we see a nation that is following God. But more importantly, we see that Joshua in verse number 14 is being magnified in the sight of all of Israel. As the people look to Joshua, their servant leader, they see the Lord working in his life. They hear God through him. They see him staying faithful. They see him rising up early in the morning. They see him talking to the Lord. And they see the Lord working through their leader. And what happens? It stirs the faith within the people. As I read this, we see that not only are they prepared to enter that promised land, but God does something as the priests come out of the river. As that water returns to the flood stage, God closes that river behind them. Now stay with me here. God closes the river. If you look back, what does that mean? No turning back. No turning back. It's amazing to me as I look at this, as that river closes, man, we wipe it off and say, well, that's a miracle. That's a good work. Now what? Here's the reality. You can't go back to where you were. 
The other miracle in this is that at the beginning of this reading, uh, that we're given a specific time frame that 40 years to the day, 40 years to the day, God closes the river. If you go back to Exodus chapter number 12, you will see that. But 40 years to the day, God closes the river. God closes a chapter in the life of the Israelites. Number one, of wandering, of hopelessness, of lostness, of faithlessness. But he also closes the opportunity for them to return to a place that they stayed for 40 years. No turning back. In other words, here's the way that I like to see it. Follow God because we're moving ahead. Follow God. Keep your eyes on me because we are moving ahead. And so here is the question. I want to pause here just for a second and ask this question. Maybe there's somebody here today that's bought with the precious blood of Jesus Christ that keeps looking back, that wants to go back. Here's what God wants to do. He's closed the door. Quit trying to go back to the old man and to the old self and to the old way and keep your eyes focused on God. We need people in, 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 in places, in our churches, not just this church, that are willing to follow God, looking ahead step by step and day by day. Israel must stay the course. If there's any time to trust God for the Israelites, it's now because it's no turning back. No turning back. Today, I want to give a word of encouragement to that one that looks back. Quit looking over your shoulder and look to your God. He will take care of the next steps that you must take. Share the story. Look at verses 19 through 24. This is our third point. Share the story. And the people came out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month in the camp in Gilgal, the east border of Jericho. I'm going to start, stop right there in verse number 19. I gave you the reference a little bit earlier. Exodus chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. You will see... That instituted the Passover. So 40 years, 40 years later, they're, they're ready. But you're given the place of Gilgal. Our next sermon, something amazing will happen there, okay? You're going to have to wait a couple weeks, okay, before we get to Gilgal. But our next sermon will deal with this place. Look at verse number 20 and continuing on. And those 12 stones which they took out of Jordan did Joshua pitch in Gilgal, and he spake unto the children of Israel, saying, When your children should ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What mean these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel came over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of Jordan from before you, until ye were passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up from before us until we were gone over that all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that ye might fear the Lord your God forever. As we think about the perfect 
timing of God. When we remember what God has done, you know the most important thing is that we open our mouth and tell somebody about it. It amazes me as I read quickly over verse number 19 the first time around. I just, I just glazed through that like I do with a lot of other stuff. I'm going to be honest with you. But as I went back and looked at it, and I went back to Exodus chapter 12, 40 years to the day, we like the word coincidence, don't we? There's no such thing. I grew up in a Methodist church, and a Methodist pastor told me, coincidence is not in your vocabulary. It's a God incidence. God's working. So I see that, and I'm like, God, this is amazing. Forty years to the day, you did exactly what you were going to do. And here's a pastor surprised that God would do that. That God would do exactly what he told his people that he was going to do. But then they're reminded again, do not forget to share the story. When the children ask, what are these stones doing here? Don't forget to share the story. And so I'm, I'm, I'm looking in particular to the older crowd right now. And here's what I want you to know. Your children and your grandchildren need to hear the stories of Jesus Christ in your life. Do not neglect them. One of the greatest memories I have is my grandfather every night kneeling down by a bed and with big hands and worn out hands and tired knees, he still hit the ground. And I remember my grandmother every single night we would jump on the bed as she read one chapter of the Bible out loud. Part of the reason I'm standing here it's because somebody shared their story of how Jesus changed their life. And here's what I want to tell you. Jesus changed mine too. As we read this, God didn't want that story to end with just one people. Here's three groups of people the story was for. The first group of people this story was meant for are the Israelites. I'm going to call them the generation of promise. The generation that entered the promised land. That got to see and receive the promise of God. Joshua wanted them to know the story of God. The second group of people that needed to know the story and the work of God was the children, the children of promise, their children. Over and over, we're seeing what are the, what are the questions, uh, what are the answers you're going to give to your children when they ask? What are you going to tell your children? And so, adults today, I'm going to leave you with that question. As you walk out of these doors today, what will you tell your children? Because the children were the second group that needed to know. The third group of people that God wanted to know about the goodness of God is found in verse number 24, and I want you to star it, I want you to underline it, I want you to highlight it. Here's what that verse says. That all the people of the earth might know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, and that you might fear the Lord your God forever. The third group of people that needed to know about the stones and needed to know about the story of God was the entire world. The entire world. 
We see back in Joshua chapter 4 that God wanted the entire world to know the story. And friends, 2022, that call for Clifford Baptist Church has not changed. To take the story to the entire world. He's given us a much greater means to do that by. There's one word, and I believe it is a word from God that stands out in my mind that is mentioned twice. It's mentioned at the end of verse number 7, and it's, in, in, it's mentioned again at the end of verse number 24. I think it's a word that belongs to God, and that is this. Forever. How many of you in here know that God is a forever God? See, one day I'm going to lay down this jacket, I'm going to lay down this tie, I'm going to lay it all down. I'm going to lay it down in death. That's where I'm going to lay it down. But there's one thing that I will never, ever lay down. That is a faith that lives forever. How many of you know today, there are two words real quick that I want to talk about. How many of you know about forgetfulness? Forgetfulness, for me, it is an enemy. And how quickly we do forget and the people of Israel demonstrated over and 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 over. They forgot about God. They forgot. But bear with me real quick. I want to show you how quickly I'm going to fast forward in the story. How quickly they forget. The end of Joshua chapter number uh, 24. Joshua chapter number 24 at verse number uh, 29, it has Joshua dying, okay? Listen to these verses from Joshua 24, 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. Guess what? Joshua's going to die. But listen to these verses in verse number 31. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done in Israel. But here's a sad verse for you. The next book, Judges, Judges chapter number 2. I want to give you a second to turn there because I want you to note this verse. Judges chapter number 2, verse number 10. It says this, And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers. So the generation died out. And here's what verse number 10 says, And there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which He had done for Israel. I'm heartbroken at those words. At just 40 years or so, there's going to be a generation that forgets the stones and forgets the story and forgets Joshua and forgets God. And friends, I think this is the greatest problem with our country, with our churches, with our nation, is we have forgotten God. We want to destroy the past. We want to wipe out the statues. That's the mentality. And by all means, get rid of God. 
In just a few short years, my kids may see it. I may see it. We will forget God. Just like the Israelites have done. Forgetfulness is a sin. It's shame on me if I let that happen. But there's another word. Faithfulness. I'm going to charge you today as people of God. Not to be people of forgetfulness, but to be people of faithfulness. To shoulder the stones, to stay the course, to share the story. Because we know that Christianity is one generation from extinction. And we're well on the way there. So today, and only the way that I can, I'm going to ask us, me being the first, to do business with God right now. How do we do that? You can leave here and say, Pastor Jeffrey, that's a good sermon. Give me a pat on the back and out the door you go. But here's what I'm going to call you to do. Whether you choose to do it where you are or whether you choose to do it at an altar. An altar is very important to me because that's where I cried and gave my life to Jesus. An altar is where I do business. An altar is where one of the greatest memorials that I have in my personal life. Many people over this sanctuary, we've knelt together and prayed here. But I'm going to call you to a moment of remembrance. Maybe today, in this moment of decision, in this moment of action, you want to come and you say, personally say, Lord, thank you for my faithfulness. Keep me faithful to you. Let me not forget. Today you could come and kneel. You could come and stand. You could come and do that. But maybe today... In a moment of, of invitation, you come and say, God, there's a, there's, a, there's a stone that's heavy, and I want to lay it down. Give me the courage to carry it. Maybe there's a willingness to get, a, get off course. Maybe there's a shyness about sharing the story. Here's my prayer. God, use my life just like these stones. That when people look at them and people see them, all they see is you. All they hear about is you. God, that's what I want my life to be. One of the other greatest symbols of our faith is that of a cross. And it causes me to remember and not forget the sacrifice of love. His blood for mine. It reminds me of death. His life given in the place of my life. And I love it that on this cross, there sits a crown. Because death did not defeat our Lord. The third day, He rose to victory over death and over the grave. Today, if that is what you need in your life, don't wait. Make today be that day. Church, it's time to do business as we come before God. Let's pray. Father God, Lord, thank you. Lord, in a moment of thanks before you, God, we say thank you for your faithfulness when so many times we have not been. 
Lord, guard our minds and guard our hearts, lest we too forget. Lord, I pray that you stir the passion. I pray that you stir the faith of your people in this place. Passion to reach beyond one or two. The call to reach to the world with Jesus Christ. Maybe today in a moment of decision we need to look within. God, I pray that we do that. God, we're in the work of forever right now. This is the work of forever. This is your work. God, we don't want it to go silent. We don't want it to get off course. God, today, we pray for those people that need you as Savior. Lord, if there's one in the midst or that is watching live stream, God, we pray that you bring them without your Holy Spirit and your Spirit alone, that you bring them to the point to come and say, I need Jesus as my Savior. Father, we give you this moment of invitation. We pray that you move in only the way that you can. In Christ's name, amen. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.